down women with diluted dreams of hope for joy has been washed down the stream. I'm Robin Hawkins, and you're listening to Watered Down Women. Hoping to be free, found a new home in the cemetery. When you wake up in the morning, do you actually contemplate your day? I mean, unless you have an appointment or something on your schedule that deviates from your normal routine. Do you actually seriously consider how it's going to go or how each event will play out? Usually, we don't. Typically, we generally perform our morning routine, rush out the door, and are on our way without a single nod to Murphy's Law, which states, anything that can go wrong will go wrong. These days, it seems people have become like hamsters on running wheels, being busy all the time, but never really getting anywhere. This disengaged type behavior often prevents us from appreciating the beauty of the world around us. But more to our detriment, it hinders our ability to observe our surroundings and to listen to our intuition. We've all heard the warnings to follow your gut or to listen to your inner voice. But how can you listen if you are unable to hear? Maybe you've heard a story of someone who had an uneasy feeling about going on a trip. So they back out and then the bus they would have been riding on crashes. Or a person felt the need to suddenly go outside and they see their neighbor collapsed in his yard. According to psychology today, we all have intuition, but we don't consciously listen to it. Trusting only what appears to be rational in our often irrational minds. It goes on to identify steps one can take to actually strengthen our decision-making abilities. And this can sharpen our skills in listening to our gut. First of all, be curious. If your intuition is telling you something, take a moment to check it out. Secondly, take a deep breath. Don't just dive in head first. Pause and breathe before you react. Lastly, watch and listen. Some people might rationalize that they don't have time to take precautions, or maybe they have been lulled into a false sense of security that nothing could possibly go wrong. But let's not forget the warning we've heard throughout our lives that it's better to be safe than sorry. Meaning that it's better to be careful now so that problems don't occur later. However, there's an even more common phrase that most of us can relate to, and it is, 
Hindsight's 2020, meaning it's easier to analyze a situation looking back at it than during the moment is actually taking place. In today's episode, we'll learn the importance of always being aware of where you are and who is around you. So let's roll back the calendar to 1972 and see what was happening in the world. It's hard to believe that we are looking back nearly 50 years. Within the context of UTC, Universal Coordinated Time, 1972 was the longest year ever. Not only because it was a leap year, but because it had two additional leap seconds added to it, something that has never occurred since. In the world news, President Richard Nixon made an unprecedented trip to China to meet with Mao Zedong. Eleven Israeli athletes were killed by Arab terrorists during the Olympic Games in Munich, and the world's population was less than four and a half billion people. In the United States, five men were arrested for bugging a D.C. hotel, and this began the Watergate scandal. Postage stamps cost eight cents. Our federal debt was around $435 billion, and our population was less than 210 million citizens. In technology, the CAT scan was developed, the first electronic mail, or email, was introduced, and the very first handheld scientific calculator was unveiled. In pop culture, Freddie Hart's song, My Hang Up Is You, was number one on the Billboard chart. All in the Family led the television ratings, and The Bump was the most popular dance at the time. In regard to American families, most were single-income homes, with the sole wage earner bringing in an average of around $12,000 per year. A new house would set you back about $28,000, and the price of gas was around 50 cents a gallon. Compared to today's world, life seemed much simpler and much safer. I was eight years old that year and remember playing outdoors with my sisters and neighbor kids and our lives, although lacking in material things, didn't lack in fun and adventure. We played outside until dark, drank from an outdoor hand pump, relied on our imaginations, fought and made up without our parents intervening, and actually enjoyed the simplicity of our lives. At night, we slept with the windows open and our doors unlocked, and our cars unless it was wintertime or there was a threat of rain, always had the windows rolled down. Life felt uncomplicated in our North End neighborhood. 
But outside of our insulated cocoon, the age of innocence was coming to an end. And today, 1972 is often referred to as one of the darkest years in modern history. As terrorism evolved from primarily acts against governments to an act against the people, with the kidnapping and eventual murder of 11 Israeli Olympians. The Watergate scandal rocked the political world, producing a negative change in the way people viewed our government. And worsening problems between the IRA and the British government marred the images of leadership across the pond. As the global world was engulfed in chaos, fear, and uncertainty, most people eagerly anticipated an end to 1972, with anticipation of the new year bringing in stability, hope, and happiness. On Sunday, December 31st, with mere hours left in one of the grimmest years in modern history, mankind breathed a collective sigh of relief. And most were preparing for momentous New Year's Eve celebrations. And in Mansfield, Ohio, a divorced mother of six got an early start to the day by heading to a local laundromat. Betty Dyer, a 42-year-old beautician at a Mansfield area salon, was up before dawn and preparing for a busy day. Two of her six children were still living at home. But even still, a family of three can accumulate a lot of laundry. In the 1970s, neighborhood laundromats were common, as many homes weren't equipped with washers and dryers, especially those houses which were rented. Women would load up the clothes and the kids and head to the laundromat for tedious hours of watching, waiting, and folding. If the little ones were lucky, they'd find a coin wedged under a machine or stuck in a slot, pry it loose, and put it in the candy machine's aperture, turn the knob a full turn, and receive a handful of gumballs, peanuts, or good and plenties. The discovery of the hidden treasure and the reward of a sweet treat made bearable those long, boring hours spent in a musty and loud laundrette. On this particular New Year's Eve, perhaps either because it was a holiday or due to the extremely early hour of the day, Betty chose to let the kids sleep in, and she ventured out, maybe even confident that she could get the work done faster by herself. Most likely, there would be very few customers there to tie up the machines, and since laundromats are public places, she'd be fine, right? After all, seven years had passed since that fateful November night when 14-year-old Mary Ellen Diener was at the laundromat next to her grandma's house and left to get some change. 
after a little while passed and Mary didn't return, her 12-year-old sister ran to get her grandmother. While the two were searching for the missing girl, they come upon a group of policemen standing around a child's lifeless body. They looked down and saw their precious Mary Ellen laying in a pool of blood with nickels and dimes strewn all around her. A local man named Lester Eubanks had grabbed the 14-year-old child, drug her behind a vacant house, attempted to rape her, and then shot her twice in the stomach. He went to his nearby house, picked up a brick, returned to the crime scene, and proceeded to smash her in the head just to be sure she was dead. At the time of Mary Ellen's murder, Eubanks was out on bail for attempting a similar type of crime before. As a side note, I will tell you that he, in May of 1966, was convicted of the murder and sentenced to death. He received several stays of execution and then the United States Supreme Court ruled that the death penalty was unconstitutional. Eubanks was into the sixth year of his sentence and earned a Christmas shopping trip to Columbus as an honor assignment. He walked away from the mall that day, 47 years ago, and has never been recaptured. But all of that happened years earlier, and Betty was a grown woman, not a young girl. So she'd be just fine going alone, wouldn't she? So many speculations and so many what-ifs. What if Betty hadn't gone alone? What if she had taken care of the laundry the day before or the next day? What if she hadn't gone to that particular laundromat? And what if she hadn't moved to Mansfield, Ohio in the first place? You see, Betty, like all of our other victims in this podcast, wasn't born in Richland County. What's her story? How did she get here? Tune in next week to find out. Watered down women with diluted dreams are home for joy has been washed down the stream. Grab a shovel and join me each Monday as we dig a little deeper and uncover the tragedies of watered down women. Searching for love, no pain in this world, with no help from above.